At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm a libertarian. What I'm getting is... Did you vote for Joe Jorgensen or Trump? Who? That was the perfect answer. Thank you. And welcome, everybody, to the Libertarian Podcast Review. I am Tyler Yonke, and today, look, a few weeks ago, I had Clint from Liberty Lockdown on. I told him, look, things go well. You're going to blow up, and he did. Then I had Pete Quinones on, and I said the same thing to him. And the next day, he got his Twitter account back. Jose Gallison said, King me. He's on the show with us today. Jose, how you doing? And welcome aboard. I'm doing all right, man. I'm glad to be here. I'm ready, uh, ready for big things to happen to me. You know, <laughs> hey, something's gonna happen. Yeah, I know you're active military. You maybe you'll be deployed. I, I can't control what happens. So, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. I mean, sometimes the luck turns around. Who knows? Maybe, it'll, maybe it'll be, it's two and one. Maybe that's the way it goes. Who knows? I mean, I'm not superstitious, but I'm a little stitious. So, <laughs> right, well, that's good. No, no look, uh, I, I had nothing to do with those other guys. It's just they happened to be on there. And I, look, you said you, I'd heard you that's on you on your podcast. You shaved your head, and this is three for three then with uh, shaved head guys. So, uh, oh. welcome. <laughs> not me. Yeah, but. no, I, yeah, I live out here in Florida, and it's uh, getting a little hot. I have like two acres, so I do a lot of yard work. Okay. So I like do this like every year. I'll like grow my hair out all long and beautiful and I'll just end up shaving it when I get like frustrated with how annoying it is about around summertime. No, so no, <laughs> no COVID issues with haircuts then? Yeah. Dealt with that yeah. just fine. Uh, so let's talk yeah. about your podcast. So you have, and, and it's uh, No Way Jose. It uh, looks like you've got about 50 some episodes and uh, tell us about how it kind of started out and why, what, what the whole format is. Cause I, I've gone through it and you are eclectic. Let me tell you, man, you're doing a bunch of interviews and I just flipped through uh, just, just now. I mean, I've been listening to you for a few weeks now, uh, but you had Vin Armani on really early. Um, Tony, tell us about how you even got into deciding to do podcasting. Uh, I don't know. It's a whole, a whole long story. I, uh, during the height of the COVID, I had a buddy who, like got with me and was wanting to start up this like Facebook group and the uh, it's called the Liberty Movement uh, okay. and the concept was to be like this like cultural non-political space then the idea being that's like the thing that we could unite us you know if we can kind of put like the the po- political side stuff apart aside because you know like that's one of the biggest things in my opinion that kind of divides 
a lot of us libertarian types is like, you know, because there's people who make make arguments that you're going to vote for the D. There's people going to vote for the R. People who vote for libertarian. People don't vote at all. You know, like so it's all over the place. So we, really, the whole idea is to influence the culture. So that was that. Mm. And then later, I kind of like that got like pretty big, and it kind of took on a whole different f- bunch of forms. And we were like, we want to turn this into a YouTube thing, and it was going to be like a rotating roster of shows. Of and we, I did that. I started the Liberty Movement, and then as I. One of the shows to kind of like support the thing to help it grow. I created my own show and I was just gonna like to sort of help it grow. And I mean, eventually, right now it's kind of defunct the channel. I actually have it out. Like I did a little update recently. I kind of I'm not doing it anymore, but I'm leaving it open for anyone else who wants to. So you know, if you guys want, go check out my channel. There's there'll be update for the Liberty Movement. Check it out. I go more into it there. But anyways, my show came out of that, and it was the idea was like I initially when I first started, all I was doing was like cultural stuff, and that's why it's kind of eclectic. So I wasn't focusing on like you know, your normal like political stuff. Like I was, uh, I don't know, like I did, I would do episodes on comics. Um, I don't know, I did like a self improvement one, just all sorts of stuff. But um, and then after time, it's like I kind of felt like I got I pigeonholed myself too. So then I after a while started doing like I created my own YouTube channel that I did. I would have. I would have, I would kind of had a template for a while where I did like one cultural thing a week and then one that like what didn't fit that perfectly. And then now I'm kind of the point where I do whatever I want because I'm not really doing the liberty movement thing anymore. Although anyone who wants to take it over, I'll still, I'm still welcome to contribute and do episodes here and there that will contribute toward, towards it. So when you but, say culture, uh, what specifically was your mindset there? Because and, and you've probably heard the, uh, the quote, I think Breitbart said, you know, politics is downstream from culture. And to some extent, I mean, I think that's m- mostly true, but I think politics can influence culture but Mm -hmm. that aside was this anything to do with that or was what what do you mean by the culture part yeah it was kind of that i mean i it was just mostly it was a spot to put aside all the silly shit it was like for example a good good uh good example that you could use is like we were say we would like to be able to promote people who were like for the youtube channel specifically say someone out there had like a had decided that they want to do like a a weekly sports breakdown and they were just liberty guys and even if they didn't even really go into liberty liberty theory at all and they just happen to be liberty like guys that think similarly like we would have like you know kind of lift them up and that was gotcha. kind of the idea was just to kind of like lift each other up but more in like a cultural sense to help each other in that way because we just want to influence the culture more we also broke we also broke off into like localized groups so that we kind of created culture in that way where it was like localized culture like there's a like i'm in florida and we there was a florida chapter uh, we had one meeting. Of, we'd like to do another one eventually, so it's still kind of active. So, yeah, I mean, that, it's, it's kind of vague. I mean, at the end of the day, culture just means people doing things. So that's why, like, people overanalyze, and that's why the whole, like, it is true. Like, people people use that Breitbart quote as it's, like, gospel. Right. Because I'm a, I'm a non-voting anarchist, and so I actually don't agree with using the political, like, realm. But it is annoying when I hear people use that all the time as an argument against political involvement. They're like, well... You know, it's the culture that matters. And it's like, yeah, but culture is kind of just this vague, like, what people do thing. Like, it doesn't really, like, it goes both ways. It's kind of, it doesn't really mean anything if you really, if you really think about it deeply in, in relation to that quote, you know, and in relation to politics. So, because, right. yeah, politics in a sense is culture as well. Right. So. Yeah, exactly. What <laughs> made me think of even twisting that a little bit, because I've always bothered with that, uh, the, the Breitbart thing. But a few weeks ago, Vin Armani and, and uh, Dave Smith were having an argument about all kinds of stuff. And one of them was that, that whole concept. And I started to think about it. Now, I, I'm an attorney and in California. Uh, 
politics, they set, you know, crazy people in the legislature and they, they write laws. And next thing you know, that is making its way through the culture everywhere else. So it's not devoid of that, obviously. And by the way, the, the Vin Armani, uh, Dave Smith thing, any, any comments you want to weigh in on that? Alienate yourself from ever being on Dave's show or Vin? I, oh, you had Vin on, actually. Yeah, I, well, that was forever ago. I'd like to have Vin on again at some point. Uh, I just never got around to it, just kind of, you know, popping around, just doing random things. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I, for the most part, I basically agreed with almost everything Vin said. But I didn't really like his delivery. But then on the same end, like I saw him like later, he kind of talked to like Clint from the early lockdown and Mark Claire. Yeah. And it seemed to me like he was kind of implying that he was almost intentionally doing it to create a conversation. And I mean, the way Twitter is, is that's kind of how you get those eyeballs like through like if he had just like made a tweet that was like, Hello, Dave. I have a respectful disagreement on how you right. do this and blah, 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 blah. Like, Dave would have probably never replied. And even if he had, no one would care. Right. So, like, there's something there. I don't know. It's like, I, I'm conflicted on it. I mean, I mean, I do mostly agree with most of what he said there. And I think a lot of people jump down Vin's throat much too quickly without even really understanding where he's coming from because people attack the golden goose that is Dave. And I'm fully admit, Dave is probably the, the person who's been the most influential on my thinking. I love Dave. But it, like, you will see the Rees as soon as anyone says anything bad about Dave. Cause I'm, and to be yeah. fair, I can see why, because there have been a lot of dishonest attacks against Dave. Yes. So, but there are times where people have honest, you know, um, disagreements. And with, I think, basically where Vin was coming from was an honest disagreement. You know, like the... The argument of like agorists and anarchists who don't agree with using political system, I think that's generally speaking, I mean, they can be cunty about it sometimes, but usually it's coming from a honest place. It's not like these people who are yelling racism and stuff. That's a whole different story. It, like it, those people should be disregarded. It might not have helped. <laughs> yeah, right. It might not have helped when Vin was calling him, you know, a crappy comedian, and Dave's going back about being a gigolo. That might not have helped the unity yeah. thing, as the, uh, you know, going. But you know, I brought this. I had a. Uh, um, Pete on the show and I, I brought this up and immediately he's like, I'm not talking about friends. And I'm like, that's perfectly fine. My point mm -hmm. is actually, um, I see these two as, you know, one is kind of taking the Ayn Rand, a uh, Galtz, Galtz, Galtz uh, idea. And the other one is taking, you know, let's take on the politics. And, and he's like, I see both. I'm not going to criticize either one. Um, so, you know, you, you're say you're a non-voting, um, anarchist which i'm a i'm probably a voting anarchist and why i'm in i'm in california it doesn't make any sense so what, what's your opinion on those two as far as like just i don't know how well you are on the versed on iran or anything but taking the idea of just leaving like uh, you know go to saipan or being involved in the act and the politics i think people create a false binary here because i mean i'm not yeah. super well i read the fountainhead and that's about my extent of my knowledge of ayn rand i mean Aside from like cursory things that you hear through other people talking about them, uh, honestly, I found the Fountainhead to be kind of boring. Uh, I know a lot of people go on about it, but I mean, I get the concept. It was kind of a cool concept, but overall, kind of boring. But uh, anyways, um, I think there's a false binary that gets created where a lot of people say it's this like because people say it's like this. Uh, what's what's a uh, God? I'm blanking. The uh, animal response, f uh, fight or flight. Okay. People pe basically are equating it to that, and I don't think that's necessarily an apt comparison because I mean if anything like you if even if you were going to use that uh, comparison I would think it, you would use Vin's perspective would be more like flight to be able to fight because it's kind of idea of like if you're in battle like you don't like 
you're kind of an idiot if you always, you know, just wherever you get ambushed or whatever, decide to take the fight in that spot. Sometimes you move to, you know, I, I forget what the Sun Tzu thing is, where it's like you don't you don't let your uh, opponent choose the battlefield or whatever. Like it's kind of the same idea. Like, like why would you? That's like you're putting yourself at a disadvantage for no reason, and especially in today's day and age, where it's like everything Vin would be doing would be online anyway. So, right. like, what does it matter? You like. Oh no, we don't have him here. If some, the magical boog kicks off, we won't have that one more gun or whatever it is people are imagining. Like, I don't think you contribute that much <laughs> in that regard, anyways. <laughs> I thought it was interesting because uh, when Vin and, and I don't know why we're talking about this, but I think it's interesting uh, when Vin went on with Mark Claire and he's really putting down, or maybe it was with Clint. Either one of those. There was a lot of time. Both they were them, both good, yeah. right? Really good. Uh, but talking about power and the power, you know, absolute power corrupts. Absolutely. He kept emphasizing that point and kind of your understanding. And, and what's interesting is we're, you know, you talked about the divisiveness in the Libertarian Party, yet it's so different than like the Republicans and Democrats. And we're suddenly like, oh, but it's Dave. Dave wouldn't be corrupted with power because it's Dave. Right. So but I think Vin has a really good point there. And so uh, it, your prediction, Dave, going to be corrupted. I don't know if he's going to be corrupted, but I do think one thing is I don't, and this isn't necessarily meaning that it's, because the, the power argument isn't the best argument, but there's something there, because yeah. I do think there's something in us as, because basically we have this liberty movement, this like ethereal, large liberty movement, and I think a lot of the energy is being directed, funneled in one place. And I think how you corrupt a movement is to put a lot of, a lot of its energy into one place. And then for that one thing to, to steer it the wrong way or whatever. Like a good example that I brought up was uh, the remember the uh, BLM riots. Remember the beginning where it was that like that small period of time yeah. where it was kind of like this weird like almost like unity thing where you're like okay cool like we're kind of like coming together with like the lefties and like yeah, yeah. fuck these guys like right. you know and it's like cool and this is when they were burning down the police stations and stuff and like you know a lot of people getting ragers like hell yeah like I mean that's kind of cool in some ways. And they, but then it like at some point it shifted and they started burning down like CVSs or whatever. And then people were just kind of like, I think people got so ingrained in like their position that then they started instead of immediately being like, no, 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 nope, not cool. They kind of, it kind of dragged them along. And, and I think we're kind of dealing with a lot of the effects still now. There's, there's a lot of strife even within the party from that, like, kind of, I created, I feel like that created a divide within like the party or the movement at large of like the people who, got really sucked into that narrative and then like made every excuse. And the point I'm kind of making is like you, they, we put all this energy in one thing and, and we weren't really, I don't know. Like for example, say, let's say Dave did like say the, the fed boys got to him and they were like, you know, and I actually, I, I mean, I don't know Dave personally. He's always struck me as up and up. He's the reason I'm an anarchist. Yeah. Um, like Dave is he got me to he over time convinced me to read Anatomy of State I did and then I became an anarchist and it was actually from you know years of listening to D Dave Smith that convinced me to read it but let's say I don't I don't think he would take the money I mean maybe he would maybe he wouldn't let's like it, assuming in this magical situation when the feds come to you here's, here's a bag of cash but you know um, he has some pretty obvious weakness um, and to be honest uh, I have the same weaknesses I have children um and I know it sounds a little kooky, but there's not, a, and I'm not even saying that necessarily would happen, but if he actually was a threat to the establishment, I think it, there's a good chance it would. Um, and yeah, I mean, all I got to do is give him a bag of cash and show him a couple pictures of his kid. 
Right. <laughs> and I'm, I would immediately take that deal in a heartbeat. This you know, is, the, but, I, it's funny. I, I, I mentioned this, um, episodes ago uh that you know i think that like the mises institute and you talked about anatomy of the state and all the free books and stuff that the power that they have for liberty there is immense but if they were ever a threat <laughs> they wouldn't even be around so I, I don't think uh you know people try to demonize them of course and much like dave let's be honest though if it's um he's not gonna get anywhere even if he does run for president i would i would vote for him you know uh, maybe you'd bring you out of uh retirement or voting have you ever voted Okay. <laughs> I mean, to be honest, I'm, uh, you're pretty young, right? Well, I'm 29. Um, well, compared to me, I'm just saying. I'm, I mean, well, I don't, yeah, I mean, I'm, I mean, I'm, I guess that's young in the scope of things. I'll be 30 next month, but you know, I'm, I'm not like young, young, but, uh, I don't know. I've had a couple opportunities that just never really struck me to care enough. I've never really had a, no one really convinced me. It was only really this past election that got me to the point where I'm a non-voting Eric, what, what I would call myself a non-voting Eric is. And I, and I mean, somewhat that was from JoJo. I mean, but then I also, you know, a lot of it was for me and Konkin and other things and just kind of thinking more on it and about like whether I think even, and I, I'm, to be clear, uh, and a lot of people, I always caveat this. I, I don't come from the perspective. I know a lot of non-voting anarchists or agorists or whatever come from the perspective of it's immoral. I don't come from that perspective. No. I, I completely agree with Lysander Spooner and that it's you, in defense of voting is fine. I just think it's a matter of the utility of it. I, I don't think it actually has much utility. And I could craft a hypothetical in which I would vote. I mean, I'm not, but it's, it's, I think the vast, 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 vast majority of the time it's, it's not, there's, it's not, does, there's no utility in it especially in the long run, because I do think there is something too that you're building up a system that's going to fuck you. So, and I mean, yeah. No, no, I'm, I'm, not, there, but... I'm not far off on that at all. Um, yeah. It's, it, it's just an interesting prospect. Uh, like the people that, that have the I voted sticker, you know, that's <laughs> that one. And the I vaccinated, those are like the adult participation trophies of 2020. I think it's just they're in 2021. So, you know, and they're saying it's such a vital part of your participation. I'm, I'm not buying into that and I never have. Uh, but I, let's go kind of with your background. So I, I think you and I are, besides being about 20 years apart in, a, in age, uh, you and I are very similar as far as it sounds like you kind of were right wing growing up, listened to a lot of the same things I would. I was always interested in talk radio and stuff. Um, when did that process, so you didn't vote when you were a republic, a full-blown neocon Republican, I guess. Uh, I'm trying to think of who I even would have been able to vote for as I'm losing. I probably would have been voting age for, I don't think I was voting age for Obama either time. And then I know Trump just didn't do it for me. I don't know. It just wasn't anything that it really impressed me. Did he, I help, had my, how, how long have you been an anarchist? You said Dave brought you over. So it's probably in the last four or five years or so. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'll be. I'll be honest, don't hold me to this because I'll probably end up re realizing later. I think I was an anarchist before uh, 2016. Okay. Like, crap, I totally was able to vote in the last election. I'm, I'm terrible with time. So, but either way, I, I don't know. I just ne never, it really never struck me. Uh, during the, uh, the Trump election, it was uh, Gary Johnson. It was uh, right. basically, or Trump were the only ones I would even think about. Um, I think I was just a... I don't think I was an anarchist at that point, but I was definitely a libertarian. I was like a monarchist at that point. But neither, I mean, I, and even then at that time, I still, even as a monarchist, I still was like, God, Gary Johnson's awful. Like right. I was very, 
I had kind of bright eyes at the beginning, but it didn't take too long before I was like, eh, it's not even really worth, not really worth the effort, the little bit of effort it takes to go vote <laughs> for right. him. So, which I know a lot of people get upset and they're like, well, you need to go, you need to go vote if you're a libertarian. If you, if, cause at the point I did believe in voting libertarian. I just, at the same time, it's still kind of like, you got to earn my vote. Like it's, I'm sorry. Like there's, I, I don't see that you're really, you're literally not worth me leaving my, leaving my house. <laughs> it's funny. You mentioned Joe. Yeah, exactly. You mentioned Joe and here I, I moved from, I, a matter of fact, I changed my registration the day after um, Trump, when Cruz was no longer a viable candidate, when, when, you know, Trump had sealed the deal. I was like, and not that I was hating Trump. I'm just like, he's nothing for Liberty. Not like Cruz was, but I was just like, I'm ready to, to leave this all together. And I did. And, then became really excited about libertarianism, and yet the the presidential hopefuls just slow, so let me down. You know, it's a it's a naked guy, it's a guy with a boot on his head, it's uh, you know, Austin Peterson, it's these guys. So what, you said Joe Jor Joe Jorgensen didn't didn't do it for you. No, I know it's probably tales old time for a lot of a lot of people, but the so because you're a misogynist. I yeah, it's because I'm it's because I'm a raging racist. Um, <laughs> but no, I know it sounds silly, but some of it, her rhetoric really did not strike me well. I know the the classic um, was it the uh, actively anti-racist or whatever. Right. Which I mean, cool in a, in a social sense, cool I guess. But like, I mean, I'm not necessarily fans of racists. I mean, I I don't actively hate them. I don't even, I don't even seem consider myself actively anti-racist. I just don't make a point of hanging out with them uh right <laughs> although i'll be honest i probably make a lot of racist jokes but right. like i mean my best friend's a black dude and we make the make some of the worst jokes right, right. yeah <laughs> we don't care right. <laughs> but i mean i don't know that one just really struck me i didn't like i don't know like just some of her rhetoric just did not strike me as an impressive candidate and at that point i already was an anarchist like i think if had like had she been like during my minarchist time she probably would have i probably i probably would have voted for her back then Cause I just, but I was further along in my development at that point. I just was like, nah, this ain't doing it. Uh, I just can't get behind her. And, and it was also kind of like, it was, I knew also the, the lockdowns were starting around that time. And I just not a peep. Like I, yeah. I, I know like before even like the people were ranting and raving about it, I was just like, Oh my God, this is a slam dunk. Like, this will be awesome right. for us. Like, right. how are we, like, I can't wait till they, till they, they do it. Like, we're going to, we're going to kill them. Like, we're going to get so much percent or whatever. <laughs> like, and no one, it was a pin drop. No one said anything really. And if they did, it was kind of just paid slight lip service and it was just weak. And I mean, I don't know. That's like, I mean, it's been said a million times, but this, this past year has been like some of the most, it's been the most authoritarianism I've seen in my life. So. And that's not I, yeah. hyperbolic. I mean, that's no. very true. And, and I'm in yeah. California. It's, it's, you know, they locked us down. Uh, when New York happened. So then, you know, nothing happened, nothing happened here. And then when it finally does hit here, we've been in it for months, you know, the lockdown and it's, yeah. um, then they're complaining that people aren't doing what have you. So how, how's you're in Florida, right? Mm -hmm. and how yeah, I'm uh, definitely grateful to be right. in Florida. <laughs> I mean, I, I put on Twitter a few weeks ago, I'm like, who's a, who's a better libertarian DeSantis or like the left libertarians, you know, it's like, uh, <laughs> he, I, he might be, you know, just for the fact that he wants a little bit of freedom. I don't know. How's he doing out there for you guys? I, you know what? I, I mean, so far as politicians go, I mean, he, I think DeSantis is killing it. I mean, obviously I have my issues, but on the whole, I, I mean, I, 
I was very disappointed because he did. I don't remember exactly what he conceded on, but he conceded on a few things initially because a lot of people don't know exactly how it went down. We did have some slight lockdowns and mandates and stuff, and he kind of did concede, but it wasn't shortly after that he kind of – like, and I could tell when I'd listened to his, like, press conference and stuff, he didn't really know what he was talking about. But then there was a certain point, I don't know when, where I, I'd start listening to his press conference, I could tell, like, holy shit, this guy, like, spun up. And you could tell he did his homework and he knew what he was talking about. And he very much at that point was like, no, we're not doing this. And, I mean, even then, um, I mean, we still have – like, there's still – in most places, there's mass stuff. But even then, it's – because a lot of people think in Florida, it's just like no one's wearing masks or anything. I mean, kind of no one is sort of at this point. Sort of, sort of not. If you go to, like, a more city area, they are. There will be signs on stores. But, you know, half the time, no one listens. I don't wear, I don't wear mine anywhere. I mean – yeah, I just don't. I mean, I will keep it in my pocket, and if someone says anything, I'll be like, "Oh, my bad, I forgot." And then, and even then, that almost never happens. <laughs> yeah, I live in but, the kind of the, in Sacramento area and just in the foothills, so we're just. What's interesting is we're in. There's two counties, Sacramento, and then this El Dorado County. El Dorado is where Gavin Newsom just moved to, and it's been open right away. Um, and so, you know, you go over there, it's just a little bit more rural. It's, it's not quite as whatever, but I've just kind of had it with people and <laughs> I do about a, a lot of bike, ra- uh, bike riding and stuff. And I was out on the trails today and some old dude was riding towards me with his mask on. I, and I never do this, but I yelled at him to take off his fucking mask. Cause he was just out there by himself. It's people, man. I don't know. You there? You froze up a little bit. Oh, it glitched up there for a second. You, you, you asked something? I'm sorry. No, I just was say, uh, retelling a tale about yelling at an old man oh, okay. on a bike. That's all. That's all I Yeah, no, I, 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 it glitched up for a second. I didn't know if you asked a question there at the end, but I, I caught most of it. So, yeah. Well, have you gone crazy like me? <laughs> yelling at people, anti-Karen or something. No, uh, if anything, I mean, it's also, you're in Cali, I'm in Florida. So I do have to keep that in mind sometimes because, uh, I mean, with the whole white pill, black pill thing, everybody going on these days, I... I very much ha- I'm very white pill in a lot of ways, uh, but I also do have to sometimes remind myself I'm in Florida. <laughs> so, like, hey, why don't like, well, let's talk about the pills because you're you were dispensing a lot of pharmaceutical products there with Clint the other night. So, um, and I and I heard malice uh, retort at someone trying to use the clear pill. So, for those that don't know, I know there's some people that listen to this that may not be aware. Why don't you lay out the pills as you know them? Uh, maybe give a brief background of what they are and then introduce us to this clear pill that you speak of. All right. We got the blue, we got the red. Uh, the way I see the blue and the red is kind of like, a. um, I remember, how do I say exactly? It's kind of like a, do you, you know, essentially the red is like, you've accepted that the state hates you essentially. I mean, I kind of use the, like, I use the incompetent evil example. Like blue pill is like, if, especially from a libertarian perspective, uh, pretty much most everyone is like blue pilled except for like and I guess you maybe you could say there's some conservatives who are red pilled somewhat but for the most part like I'm, I'm speaking this from a libertarian perspective if you're someone who just looks at the state and you're very much like a reason type you know reason magazine type and you're like oh the state is incompetent and they're inefficient and blah 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 like you're probably blue pilled but now if you're like the state is evil then alright now we're talking now we're, now we're entering red, red pill territory um and then, then you kind of get into the black and the white, and the black and the white are more, more pertain to. I mean, really, they're just optimism, pessimism. Black being pessimism, uh, white being optimism. Um, I think it was uh, God Molebug. I think is the one who had the clear right. pill. So this isn't an original idea. Um, so it wasn't like Malice was responding to my concept. Uh, 
I know. You know. So I mean, I, I should Kudos probably just to pretend you he was. was, but yeah, I would have been pretty dope. But <laughs> but uh, and I know he retorted. I think he was just being silly because uh, right. he was like, "The clear pills clear. Like pills aren't clear, and that's right. bullshit." I've taken a lot of pills in my life, <laughs> right? And there are clear ones. <laughs> Maybe he's talking about suppositories or something. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. But uh, anyways, um, yeah. So the 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 white pills, optimism, black pills, pessimism. And that's a big thing everyone talking about. It's like kind of once you get past the red pill, you realize like, oh my God, the state state is evil and the state is like, we're all, essentially we're all going to shit. Like, because I mean, especially once you kind of get along those lines, you start realizing like, oh, this is going to collapse at some point. You know, how, how does it collapse? I don't know. Uh, what does the collapse look like? It depends. But um, so that's where a lot of people get this like black pill, white pill. Like, oh my God, are we, are, are things looking up? Like, are we going to come together as a liberty community and everything can be great? Or or is, or is it all going to go to hell? Are we going to be in the gulags? And my thing is with the clear pill is I don't think it's one or the other. I think it's a mixture of both. And I think, I mean, obviously it's, it's, it's so funny that we, as this Liberty movement fell into this like white pill, black pill thing. Cause I do right. think we have an issue with being binary thinkers as much as we make fun of like other people as being like smooth brains and binary thinkers, we fall into it just the same. We, you know, the, the, Oh, it's a private company, bro. You know, did you break the NAP? Did you not like, and don't get me wrong, there's there's some, you know, truth to those statements, but there also is, for example, like, you know, one of the great things about agorism is a, and it was also something Rothbard kind of went to a lot, but he didn't emphasize it a lot, was like with the private company thing is it's not necessarily a black and white, like there's gray, like a corporation is in some senses an arm of the state. So right. like, and then even then, to some extent, some small mom pa business that's getting some sort of like say they're getting some sort of welfare from the state, to some extent, they're kind of beholden to the state. Obviously less than the big corporation, but so that's what I'm saying. There's grays or shades of gray. It's not as simple as just as like black and white. And it's, it's ironic that we fell into it. And I think the clear pill is just realizing like kind of getting a firm grasp or I mean, it doesn't mean you're obviously no one's, a, no one is a fortune teller knows exactly what's going to happen. But I feel like the clear pill is kind of like, you're starting to see the writing on the wall. You understand what you got to do and now you're doing it it's realism and like so for the black pill the black pill i feel like gets you prepared the white pill starts can you be like okay okay we got it and then the clear pill is kind of like all right i got it now i'm resolved let's go do it you know like that's kind of because I, I do think the black and the white have the, the pros and cons because i i think you can get complacent with the white pill you can become you can just you can fall into despair with the black I think the clear pill is where it's at. And I also think the black and white thing kind of, I think we need to let go of this concept of that. Like, cause everyone's like, what is the, what's going to happen in the United States or what's, and I feel like they look at it from a nationalistic sense, which I mean, to be fair, we've all had, you know, what, 12 years of indoctrination. So it kind of makes sense that we're still stuck to this idea of nationalism and being like one country or whatever, but you know, whether it be secession or like, I think most likely we're looking at like soft nullification slash like soft secession to where we're going to see in the future, we're going to have these, you know, crazy technocratic state or cities that, but then on the outskirts, you're going to have like more rural areas where the state doesn't really have much influence. And it might still technically, I mean, maybe some areas will secede, some won't, but I still think, I think it's going to be this thing where it's like, yeah, I mean, like if you're in those rural areas, like it's like, yeah, we're part of this country, but we kind of don't give a shit. <laughs> like that's, you know what I mean? It's like, you mean I have like a sheriff or whatever, but it's not going to be the same as like the people who live in the city. And I, that's kind of why I, where I'm coming at from the, the clear pills. Like that's I kind of where I tied into and that like, 
I think we need, and I also think there's something too that we can start thinking generation, generationally and start thinking like, where is this going? Like, what do I need to do to ensure that my progeny, my, my you know, future generations prosper? Uh, I mean, although to be fair, that's completely likely happens in our lifetime as well, because <laughs> right. I mean, it's just getting real, you know? <laughs> what's What's interesting is the, the pill situation, to me, it really came about from Michael Malice. I mean, that's who I was really hearing it from, uh, and, his book, and especially his book, The New Right, which brought in Munch and Smolbug and a bunch of this other thing. And he's such a anti-binary person, and yet he started with just the blue and the white, or the red. He then bring, brought in the, the white, and I guess he's writing a book with that. But blue pills, I... I think they get, I mean, you're, you're exactly right with what you're describing there. And, I, and you know, to be a red-pilled person in a sense to see kind of what the, the corporate press and the media and, and the government is all trying to do to us all the time is important. But sometimes you mentioned Reason Magazine as an example. Some of those blue pills for me were important. Now, I I mean, Reason was a big factor in my progression because there was the one, you know, libertarian kind of magazine out there. I latched onto it. It got me in with uh, like the fifth column and then Camille and then that hit me with Malice and Thaddeus Russell. Next thing you know, I'm just down this landscape. Uh, so it was important for me because it was a step off of the, fl- of the plantation. And so maybe their a version of blue is still not as bad as, you know, uh, the Stephen Crowders or whatever else you have. Um, so, uh, you know, I know we really take a, a shot of this and Drew Hancock has, has done, you know, blue pill libertarian uh, videos and stuff. Um, what's your feeling as far as demonizing or going after some of the blue pills? Do you, do you kind of leave them alone or are you okay with that? Does that make it, sense what I say? Yeah, I get what you're saying. I don't know. It depends. I've had a bad, I'm not gonna lie. I've gone after a lot of blue pills, but it, uh, I don't know. There's something I've been thinking about too is like, I mean, not to make another pill, but maybe we should, <laughs> maybe we should think of some sort of like variant of green pill. Cause there's okay. something too, where I think there is a, I feel like there's a difference between like you being on a stepping stone of like this is your progression and then someone being like I don't know being sucked into it in a different way if that makes sense I, I don't know and also it's different if you're being dishonest because I think some yeah. people get stuck in this blue pill thing and they just become the dishonest types and they just I don't know I mean that's obviously probably red pills and blue pills are are uh, probably both guilty of this but I don't know I mean I also think sometimes a lot of these people in reality are centrists and they're just like parading as libertarians and you know but it's one thing if you're coming from a from, from a principled perspective but maybe you just don't completely follow some of your principles through but i think a lot of these people don't really have any principles and they're just kind of this like you know like well it'd be cool if we could smoke weed or or this or that yeah. and you're like you haven't really thought this through much now have you like yeah. you know <laughs> like I, I don't know i'm this is something i was i've been kind of thinking on a little bit too because uh uh i don't know there there was actually someone that like kind of big in the movement that i I mean, I kind of, uh, I, I mean, I didn't really necessarily like trash them publicly or anything, but like, I kind of had like my inclinations, and I did kind of realize later, like, oh shit, I think they're just green, mm-hmm. like, and and I think I was just being kind of, kind of not being too, I don't know, too generous in my my thoughts. Not that I necessarily like acted on them, but kind of later I was like, oh shit, kind of made me reevaluate. Um, and it's actually someone we'll be having a guest for soon, so we'll, I'll probably talk about that with them. Uh, and not, that's not to say there was any like weird animus that yeah. we were like like arguing or anything. It's just kind of like they kind of like popped up on the scene, and I was kind of like, "What the hell?" Like this this blue pilled shit. And then later I'm realizing, like, "Oh," then come to find out they're actually like a newer anarchist, and they're like, "Oh, okay, they're 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 on their journey." And it's right. like if anything, like now I kind of look at them and like hear some of the things they said. I'm like, "Shit, that was like me." Like 
three, four, five years ago, like in a sense, like philosophically. So I'm like, I, I need to not be a dick, but I mean, sometimes so being a dick kind of pushes people along. I, I don't right. know. It, there, there's a time and place to be a dick. <laughs> it, it, well, you know, like, uh, so I, I, I often review uh, the podcast, different podcasts here. Now, you know, guests are great, actually even better. Uh, and I first did Pete Quinones. Well, not first, but this is one I did. And I'm like, you know, can you share this with normies? And I'm like, Pete has maybe it depends on who that person is. You, know, you give that to a, a blue pilled person. They may just not like it. Now, some of the episodes, they may think it's great. And then other ones are just they're not going to handle it all. So, you know, maybe it depends on those certain type of people and, and who they are that can handle something like that. Um, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm trying to bring as, you know, the idea is to bring as many people as possible to this thing. Oh, yeah. What were some of the first things that you gravitated towards libertarian or anarchism? And what were some of the last things that came over? Uh, like, you know, topics like, I don't know, oh. war or, or. Oh, one of the last things, like the last things that I let, let to let go of kind of deal, like yeah. to where I finally made that plunge. Cause like, okay, I get where you're going to, I kind of hung on the fence of minarchists and anarchists for a long time. There were a few things. Okay. So first things that kind of got me along the road, Honestly, my I've, I've mentioned this a few times, but I have a I have a fairly decent commute, and I've kind of always had a long commute, and so I kind of got into listening to podcasts and stuff like that, and I kind of went on the progression of I I think I started listening to like Shapiro a lot, and then I kind of started listening to Crowder, and I think from there I started listening to Dave Rubin, and then you know some of his guests are a little bit like lefty libertarianish types, yeah. and then from there I started listening to Rogan, and I think I found Dave Smith, so that was kind of my progression, sorta. I mean. It, I mean, I, I never was, like, as a young person too, like, caught up in this stuff, really. I mean, I, I like to think – oh, another big thing is I, I – mean, not to go on another sidetrack is really it was atheism that did a lot for me. I don't I mean, I don't know where you're at with that, but for me it was my – I grew up in a religious household, and I think that played a big part in my transformation to what I am now because I – like, I mean, I grew – I went to a Christian school, everything – and I spent years like with, and the, probably the biggest thing that really like messed with my thinking when it came to like, you know, being religious was the gay thing. Cause when I was growing up, that was the big thing Right. was like, you know, like it was around that time when like gay marriage was becoming a thing when I was growing up in high school. And like, I remember being in a conservative household, sort of Christian household, that being a big thing. And I just never made sense to me logically. Like why the hell would a God give a shit? Like, like, I understand to some extent, like, maybe why there might be some issues, but, like, I mean, I also think from a biological perspective, there's some use of having someone who's a non-breeder within a uh, within a society. You know, they can help out with other duties, but, and I just don't really get how that's immoral as long as they aren't, like, I can understand to some sense the polygamous thing of, like, because people assume, like, if they're gay, they're running around banging everything. It's, it's not the case all the time, if, like... And there's some truth to that spreads disease, whatever. I'm kind of going a rabbit trail, but anyways, that's kind of what got me thinking as a young person. And then later, it just kind of like kind of picked away. That was a little seed that kind of picked away in my head. And then from there, I kind of at some point around like young, like early 20s, I started like really looking into myself, my faith, and kind of like I actually was initially to reaffirm my belief in, in like religion. And I started listening to like debates and stuff, like different like religious debates. And I started noticing like holy shit, like, these atheists generally trash these atheists in most most debates. And then from there, I kind of, like, I started looking into, like, uh, logical fallacies and stuff like that, and I kind of, like, that, like, using logic is kind of what drove me out of religion, because I was able to be, like, evaluate how it's not logical, which I'm sure someone out there listening is going to be like, holy shit, and it's gritting their teeth. But, and then at some point, like, 
and I never really applied it to my politics or, you know, my, my like philosophy until like later when I started listening to, you know, I don't know, some of those people I mentioned before. And then I kind of like applied those same things at some point. It's just kind of like, if I apply these same principles of why I don't believe in a God to the state, it kind of is the same thing, which that's why, um, most dangerous superstition by Larkin Rose is great. I think I'd probably, I mean, not that I necessarily came from the left, but for a lot of people, the left is known for being like God haters. So like, that's why I think it's a great book for people coming from the left is, uh, uh most dangerous superstition by Larkin Rose. But yeah, I mean, that's kind of what like moved me along that way. And like, I think what set the foundation was me moving away from my religion, like losing my faith. Um, cause it was just like, once you start applying logic to things, you're kind of like, it's kind of like you realize how many fallacies are in so many different things. Like you watch the news and you see fallacies abound. So like, you're like, why, why are they, why are they doing this shit? Uh, like if this was, if this was such a logical, you know, thing going on, they wouldn't have to like, you know, be essentially dishonest, whether they mean yeah. to or not. Cause I think a lot of people use fallacies and don't even realize it, but you don't need to if it's, if it's fucking bulletproof. But, uh, last things I held on to um, like I said I am military you mentioned that already that was kind of the last things I held on to because I kind of went the progression of minarchist and like the minarchist thing is kind of like you know I mean, I mean I'm preaching the choir here but most minarchists is like they believe like courts police military and so those were like the last things I held on to and it's kind of like you got to have those type of functioning you know society and you know especially I mean not gonna lie I have kind of bias because I was in the military so it's kind of like as it was like doubly hard to like make that plunge from minarchist anarchist because it's like at least as like a conservatarian minarchist libertarian whatever i could be like yes i agree the wars are aren't good they aren't benefiting anyone you know yada yada but i i'm this is necessary like this like yes it's not good now but ideally maybe someone else will come in and and we'll you know we'll turn this around and it will be you know a military is necessary for national defense or whatever you know and what and it was kind of like like i said i had this vested interest in not becoming an anarchist because then once you do that it's kind of like i have nothing to hold on to like how can i be an anarchist and think this is necessary like because i mean the biggest thing for me from jumping from anarchist to anarchist was that i i believed a minimum state was necessary so it's i have that's why anatomy state works so well for me because i feel like it really dispels that argument of the state being necessary in a lot of ways and you realize there are other ways to do things and the the state is a flawed concept in its in its origin anyways like it's just gonna go to shit um yeah so that was the last thing to fall away from me i mean and no shit i'm being in the military it was the military was the last thing that fell away from me uh yeah i i found but, um rothbard's uh for new liberty he talked about one section there and, and you can find a speech of his actually online talking about this where he's with a group of friends and he's a minarchist at this point and he's trying to convince them of whatever, uh, and, they're, and these are some lefties, and they go, well, if you're okay with the government, um, you know, does the government do better with this um, municipality, with the, you know, this certain thing over here and over there? And, and they're like, and if that's okay, then why isn't everything okay? And he's like, came to the conclusion, oh yeah, the government's better at the free market with everything, and I have to be consistent. And he said it was like an epiphany and clear-minded and boom. He got, and, and for me, the way he described it was exactly the same way. And, you know, it's, um, the courts, the police, all these, uh, the, the military. And once you start to realize what I have the government in charge of making shoes and all these other, no, you, you wouldn't do that. So why do these other things? Now, on your religion thing, um, we're going to cut the interview because I'm highly, re- no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I am a religious person. But okay. um, what, no, it, uh, this is what has been great for me about going down the anarchy 
process, and I talked to Pete about this as well, is because um, you may have that uh, understanding, but your ultimate goal is not to control my life. And my goal now as an anarchist is not to concern myself with your um, whatever. And so it's been a freeing point in my life of not having to worry about you know, anything else, I, I just, you know, concern myself with the, you know, property rights, non-aggression or whatever, and my own family and friends. And my religious point, ha, ha, part of my life has actually been um, exceeding in that in that realm because I'm not, you know, team blue, team red, Democrat and fighting over all these things. And so it's, it's it felt like a superpower in a sense. Uh, and it's interesting, like the atheists that I find in the anarchist and the libertarian movement seem much more accepting of me and my religion than um, the left or the right. So, I mean, yeah. I haven't got I'm any. I'm past my angry atheist phase, yeah. so we're yeah. good. Yeah. No, <laughs> and even so, I, um, big deal. I mean, I used to spend a lot of time arguing that stuff, and then you realize, I mean, my perspective now, I know this may come off as a little condescending, but the one, I think there is some quality to modern day religion, especially Christianity, and that it's this like prepackaged belief. And generally, by modern perspective, it's good shit. Like, it's like, it is just like, hey, you know, treat people good. And that's right. mostly what Christianity is. Right. Uh, I mean, I, I mean, we can get in the weeds. And I mean, I don't think we will here because, I mean, that, that's a whole other discussion. I, and I think it's not necessarily that. But, I mean, I think a lot of modern day Christianity kind of misses the uh, the boat on what it actually is. But Exactly. And, and, and I think that manifests itself in why they're um, able to cling on to the state as an example, mm -hmm. right? You know, the, the lockdowns are happening and these churches are, are okay with it. And you're like, well, then you're, you're bullshit for your own philosophy, you know, religion. Yeah. Anyway, sorry to but I do you. think there's something to um, that and that like it's this prepackaged belief that it's kind of easy for people to fall into. It's kind of nice and it, it kind of gets them. Because like my thing is like if I can get you to my end, to, if we can get to the same conclusion – I mean, I don't care about how you got to that conclusion right. as much. I do think there is some importance to how you got to the conclusion because sure. it kind of affects your thought pattern and that may make you more susceptible to improper ideas later that will get us to different conclusions. But at the end of the day, as long as we're the same conclusion, like it's a good spot to be at and maybe we can later, you know, depending on who it is, talk about it. There's something to it. It's kind of the idea of like the magic. I'm sure if you listen to Vin Armani, he's yeah. talked about it a lot. And Pete's been talking about like some of his like similar concepts as well. It's kind of the same idea. If I can get you, because like, for example, I don't, I, I may technically, I'm like, I don't, I'm not objective. I don't believe in objective morality. I think natural rights are a social construct, but I think they're useful. Sure. And I think they get us, to, and I have a way that I can logically think through where we get to the same conclusion. I basically, by all, for all intents and purposes, I essentially, operate under objective morality and operate under natural rights i just but then like i have a different thought process to get there but like if we're at the same conclusion i don't care if that's if that's what somebody if i if i need to sell somebody hey there are natural rights and because you're a human being and because you're born you have the right to do this and the right to that if that's easier than me explaining like well you know some long drawn out explanation or whatever if that's easier for them that gets them where i want them to be i kind of don't care like so where I mean, do you, maybe, where do you, in your mind, where do you base your, your rights then? Is it like the arg argumentation ethics thing from Hoppe or is it just something else or do you just not concern yourself with it? I think rights are kind of like a sterner. Our rights are what you take, you know, and, but at the same time, it's kind of like, I think, I know a lot of people are like, oh, well then we'll just have warlords everywhere. And I was like, in that kind of the anarchist argument, like why we can't have anarchy, like at the end of the day, like. 
I cannot believe in objective morality. I cannot believe in rights, but it's still to my best. Like, I don't like when people take shit from me. I don't like when people hurt me. So, like, they're, they're right there is my beginning point of, like, well, you know what? I should, like, promote people not hurting people and taking stuff. And, like, there we go. <laughs> like, yeah. it's really that simple. Like, I, and I, don't, I don't believe that's an objective thing. I mean, my thing is, like I say a lot, is that you can derive, like, I think morality, for example, that kind of applies to rights as well, is, is subjective. But yes. we can lay down an initial, like, if, we can, if I can get you to agree to values, like, if me and you have a discussion and we can agree on certain values, from there we can set up a framework which is objective. Because I can be like, me and you both agree that, you know, we value people not hurting people. We value people not taking their things. From there, we have the NAP right there. And while it may be subjective technically, like we have set up within that subjective framework, there's objectivity. And like, there might be people who, you know, don't agree with that, but you know what? That's what guns are for. So like. <laughs> right. And, and you know, I've heard you recently talk, and I think it was with Pete or a few different people. Um, you talked about uh, your principles and your hierarchy. You know, you said, hey, um, I have my principles, but you know, my family needs to eat, you know be damned. I'm going to go and do what I want. But then that made me think about this and exactly what you said. Um, maybe I don't think that's a, and I'm defensive of you that I don't think that necessarily goes against your principles because your principles are subjective and they're, they're what you believe them to be. And your family is a hierarchy of that. And you know, oh, your yeah. family is always going to take precedence. You're not going to ever let anything happen. It's, you're not going to, you're not going to let Joe Jorgensen dictate what's best for your family. Oh yeah, no, definitely. I, I mean, this is these are actually like these are newer things, and this is kind of like some principles I applied from like reading Sterner, mm -hmm. which I mean, don't get me wrong, I could entirely change. I my my sure. beliefs have changed so much in my life; they could change again. But this is a lot of stuff that I kind of got from Sterner. It's kind of like I think one line. I don't remember if I'm getting it right, but he said your principles should serve you, and you and not the other way around. And that, mm -hmm. I mean, that's kind of essentially that's just competing principles, and like yeah, we can get off in the autistic weeds, but at the end of the day, like if there's some scenario where I have to break the NAP or whatever to, you know, provide for my family and it's actually imperative or what, what have you, I'm not going to sit there and philosophize on whether, you know, like it breaks NAP. Like, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm going to do it. But at the end of the day, I do believe that generally speaking, it doesn't serve my interest to break the NAP. Because if I break the NAP, then, then other people are going to be like, well, why don't I break the NAP? So the best way to ensure that people don't hurt people or hurt people and, or, hurt me and take my shit is to not hurt them and not take their shit. <laughs> right. Like, that, you know, it's really a simple concept. I know a lot of people get all like crazy. Like, well, that, you know, when it comes to like subjective morality, like, well, you could do this, you could do that. It's like not that crazy. Like, I don't know. No, we, we live in that kind of world already with yeah. different competing uh, interests. Um, let's kind of move on. What or with that in mind? What do you have any prospects and have you done this bringing people towards this liberty movement do you have any uh, strategy for doing so i'm sure you've talked to people about your beliefs i have and it seems funny to me that both the left and the right argue that over and over about like how are you going to get someone to court and how are you going to do this the the when you know especially the right wing people i'm like have you ever thought that the uh the free market could be the solution for everything you always talk about the free market and suddenly you're fighting me uh, tooth and nail on this have you had outreach with people and trying to make these conversations. You, you want to reframe that question? I, I think I mean, I got a little bit lost in there. I don't know what you're going to. No, that, that, <laughs> that happens. Yeah. Um, bringing people to Liberty. Okay. Okay. Um, I've had arguments with people or trying to have discussions and simply trying to 
tell them of this wonderfulness that is anarchy, right? No government. And both the left and the right seem to just really push back harsh uh, against this. And it went, it went, especially the right has flustered me with, I'm like, it's free market. It's solutions for everything. And you're worried about who's going to get to court, blah, blah, blah. Do you have a strategy? <laughs> have you had one with or, or any outreach with people? You obviously have a... Yeah, sorry. I don't know what happened there. It was me. It was you. Probably me. I don't know why I did that. No, but, no uh, I, 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 it, it ended at the at the question there. You know, I had Clint on, and his computer, <laughs> his computer went out, and we kept trying to do this, and it kept going. Then he got blue screen. We kept trying, and it went out. And it was right before he had was on with Dave Smith, so it was good timing. He ended up having to get a whole new computer, so I I, I think I saved him from a disaster with Dave. Anyway, go yeah. ahead. <laughs> no, I normally don't have these issues. I used to back in the day with a different computer, so I'm a little bit embarrassed. But it's okay. whatever, it happens. We'll, we'll edit it. But uh, I get what you're getting at, and uh, like the best ways to kind of bring people to liberty i mean in my opinion i used to be more like you know gung-ho and like you know in the face or on the other hand i also had periods of time where i was more like reserved and kind of like weird especially early on when i first became an anarchist because kind of like i kind of myself was already like like kind of weirded out by the fact of like i'm an anarchist almost like i didn't want it, it was very similar to you know once again to the atheism thing like i didn't want to ever become an atheist just like i kind of didn't want to become an anarchist it was kind of like i applied those you know that logic on both ends and kind of like that's where I got but anyways what I'm getting at is I, it's, there's kind of like a middle ground I don't feel like it's kind of like um, I always bring up the joke like being the crossfitter like how I were like the whole thing of like you know how do you know someone does crossfit like don't worry they'll tell you like <laughs> yeah. and it's like don't be that guy like I mean and it don't okay within reason there are I, I'm, I'm giving these prescriptions here but I think it like it really depends on scenario. But in your normal day-to-day life, I think it's better to just be a normal human being. And if it comes up in conversation, don't shy away from it. But don't also also don't like go charging in, like because right. there'll be like that's kind of how I normally operate. Like I'm the people will bring up something and I'll just be like, that's stupid or like I don't know why we're doing this or whatever. And they're like, what? You don't think? I'm like, no, that doesn't make sense. This or that. And like. And like, or if they'll be like, well, what do you, like, there'll be times to be like, well, what do you believe? I'm like, well, I don't think we should have a government or, or whatever, you know, depending on what it is. And I don't like, I don't come at them aggressively, but I'm also not shying away either. Like, it's not something I'm ashamed of because it's like, if, if you're being ashamed of it, it's showing them that it's something to be ashamed of. Right. So like, it's better to just be upfront about it. You also don't want to like scare them off, especially because it is like, you don't want to trigger them and start an argument. Now there is a time and place for that, you know. If depending on the scenario, to trigger someone and you to start an argument, that's a whole other thing. That's that's more for like social media stuff. But well, let's, let's talk about that tower gang. You're part of that, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Tower gang. I mean, <laughs> you want? I mean, I've been a little really busy as of late. I haven't been involved as much. But yes, generally we we tower. Uh, <laughs> like for example, we hit ATF once when they put up the. The right. post and uh, like the Waco one where they had their lost uh, people who died at Waco, whatever, on their end. And they put up some posts being like, oh, remembering these people, blah, 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 blah. And then we towered them with good riddance. <laughs> so like that's kind of a good example of what we do over at Tower Gang. I mean, not every tower tower hits perfectly, but sometimes they do. Like, uh, for example, we hit up hit Megan McCain once. I don't remember what the post was, but something to do with her dad. And he said, daddy's in hellport or daddy's in hellport chop. <laughs> so like. And I know it's mean, but, like, that's kind of the point. And I think there is a place for that. I mean, it's, like, so we hit up a lot of, like, blue checks. Like, kind of I was getting at earlier, especially within the libertarian sphere, there are a lot of dishonest people. And, I like, these are usually people who are screaming racist, anti-Semite, 
this or that. And it's like, those are generally going to be your dishonest people, like your Fagertarians, whatever, right. like your Nick Sarwalks, like shit like that. And I think they, there are people who deserve derision. Like a good example of this is uh, a while back, there was like the, on Twitter, there's these neocons that kind of popped up and like, that was a big thing. I know like a lot of people debated this one specific neocon and Ace did a debate once and to clown the guy, he didn't even show up himself because he was audio only. He had someone else show up and just completely make fun of him the entire debate and didn't actually honestly debate him. But that's kind of the point is that we're showing like, hey, we don't respect your idea. And is that there that is Kevin a- guy that Clint did as well and Keith Knight? Yep. Okay. Did you not see the Ace one? Uh, no, I didn't. So when Keith came on, I mean, uh, Clint came on, we actually went through and played a bunch of the clips and, you know, worked it over. I, I know he had said Ace had, had started that. I didn't know that it was just a troll. Oh, it was an utter troll. And it was funny too because it took a while for it to dawn on him. And like even at one point in the in the debate, he said, wouldn't it be funny if uh, if it wasn't even Ace and it, I'm just clowning you? <laughs> and like his eyes kind of... <laughs> So yesterday, I think it was yesterday, there was like some uh, Catholic um, account and they said something about, you know, you can abort kids if you want to, that's how you feel. And the Tower Gang, and so people don't know, it's just basically one tweet after another with a letter and they just wrote excommunicate, I think is what it was. And it was pretty funny. Uh, How do you guys find and decide, I mean, don't you have to give me all the inner workings here, but how do you find some of these tweets and then make a decision? I mean, it's, it's got, uh, that to me is the interesting part. I mean, we got our feelers out everywhere, so it's uh, kind of how it works is there's a whole bunch of group chats out there. Uh, I mean, it, it used to be I was a little hesitant to give the inner workings because it was like there was this, like, magic, and there are still probably people out there who do think it's completely something that's just, like, order out of nothing. Yeah. And, like, they think it's just magically someone posted, like, a letter and then somehow magically just emergent order out of nothing, and it's like, no. I mean, that's how the first one started, and they kind of, in a sense started from there but it build it built from there and now there's like a whole group of ta- of group chats that are kind of set up all even almost within their own hierarchical sense that like you know we have multiple group chats that have multiple people that are in multiple group chats so that way they can coordinate within group chats and so like within these group chats I mean most of the time it's just people bullshitting and having fun you know talking to each other but then every now and then they'll be like, look at this shit tweet I found. Like, look at this person. <laughs> and then they'll debate, like, should we, should we, but is this worth it? Is it not? You know, we'll, we'll have this whole, like, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then we'll be like, okay, what would be a good tower? And, you know, and from there, then we hit them. And then, like, if it's, we'll, we'll then send out to each group chat, like, hey, this is what we're doing. And completely, like, a voluntary thing. You know, it's like, hey, this is what we're doing. If you want in, do it. If not, don't. Um, like, for example, <laughs> today we hit up, uh, Todd Hagopian, the yeah. Libertarian chief, yeah. he posted something. Uh, it was actually funny because it was like an old tweet, and so we actually had to like dig for it just to be a dick. But it was kind of like pertinent to this week because uh, there was some post today about how they're going to start. They they think they should start testing on children with the uh, vaccine. And there was a one from like a month ago from Todd where he's like, "Unpopular opinion: We should start testing on the uh, the vaccine on children." And then so you put popular opinion: Go fuck yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Nice. <laughs> Which I mean, it's I mean, it's pretty uh, middle school humor, but right. I mean, that's kind of half the point sometimes. Yeah, some and, are a little bit more smart, but right. and, well, some of them are really you know harsh at the person, and some are are kind of funny. I mean, didn't you go after Dave once too? It seemed like there was something. Oh yeah, I wish I could remember what it was specifically, but we towered him with something silly. But because I mean, yeah. we did, I mean, it's not all just mean. I mean, there was like 
we have like positivity towers. I actually did a whole episode on towers once, like explaining every little thing of it and the different types of towers and like the whole different like variants of towers too. Like, I don't know. It, 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 it's, it's, it's fun. It's something to uh, fill the time and it, and it's, uh, it's weirdly kind of beautiful in a way, especially cause we usually focus on like, we try to focus on like blue checks or like people that we consider to be part of the cathedral and it's kind of this like disregard for authority essentially it's a happening right. you know so it's like especially like you know a lot of like the fed posts and stuff will hit up you know stuff like that so it's just like kind of like it seems silly but in a way we're kind of ridiculing the state in a sense so i know it's kind of beautiful it's kind of a you know that's driving us closer to anarchy <laughs> i like how you've modeled it after a terrorist cell that's with your whole middle <laughs> well yeah. done well yeah. done Hey, uh, and the, the funny thing is it actually originally started way – the earliest towers were, like, shit where it'd be, like, someone would put an N and then someone put I and then G. And then, you know, oh, like, yeah, you yeah. know where it's going. Like, <laughs> right. those were the original ones back then. Not us specifically, but it was, like, you know, like, this has been a thing for a long time on Twitter. Right. Or people put, like, R-E-T, and you can kind of figure out the rest. Right, right. But those were a completely emergent order, just people being silly. But – it's kind of like one of those things where like they couldn't ban you because it's just one letter. <laughs> right, right. right. Uh, let's let's talk about your podcast a little bit. So, um, how are you when you started doing this? Um, w- how soon until you got a pretty big guest, and how did you end up uh, getting him? Oh God, I'm, I'm trying or to think her. of who my first guests were. That's that's the thing. I mean, I don't know when my I know Vin was episode nine, so he might be one of my earliest big guests. But I was. Here's the thing when it comes to, I mean, I don't know how many you've done. I, I listened to a couple of your episodes, but one thing I'd say to anyone thinking about them is, I mean, yes, there are a few like God tier people. They're like, yes, they're, you got to really put in the work to get them. But most people you can just get, just DM them or, you know, send them a Facebook message and be like, Hey, this is my podcast. I'd like to talk to you about this. And nine times out of 10, they'll be like, yeah, let's do it. When do you want to do it? And not only are they going to be like, not only will they say yes, they're usually surprisingly congenial, like, and if anything, super accommodating about time, everything. And it's like, I know, I know my, and when I first started, I was like very worried, like, cause I, I was like, shit, like I, like how am I, like I have all these people that I really look up to and I've been listening to for forever. And like, are they going to want to talk to me? Or like, am I, you know, like, and they don't care. Like it, it just blows me away that I was just able to just like, uh, cause I think, I don't know when Pete was cause, like Pete and Dave, Pete Quinones and Dave Smith have probably been the two biggest influences on my thinking in general. And Pete, like, I don't remember which one it was, but it was fairly early on. I hit him up. Yep. Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Like, I mean, I don't know how early it was. I know Vin was nine, but I don't remember any bigger guests before that. I want to say I had Keith Knight on earlier than that, but I'm not sure. But yeah, yeah, that's, I, I don't know. I've had some pretty big guests, but it's not even, I'm not even trying to be like, act like I'm big stuff. It's just that, or that I had anything special that made through them to me. I mean, maybe, I don't know. I doubt it, but it really was as simple as asking. So that's, I mean, that's just something for anyone listening out there that wants to get into this. It's, I mean, I'm not going to say it's not that hard, but you know, so far as like getting guests, it's also, it's a good community and people are very accommodating. Yeah, no, I I agree. Uh, You've been on a bunch of other people's podcasts as well. Um, first of all, how's that gone? And have you, have you got, besides this one, have you gone on any that have made you cringe? Have I gone on any that made me cringe? And you don't have to name those. I'm just saying, you know, you know just, 
look, so I have a cycling podcast and I've like almost 300 episodes of that. And I've done a lot of interviews and sometimes it's like pulling teeth, right? Uh, you're you 300 uh, episodes of a cycling podcast. Yeah, I, I've been doing that for oh. years. It's a, it's a bike. I, I'm into bike racing and, um, I I've covered, you know, world tour stuff and interviewed a bunch of people. Anyway, I didn't mean that in a condescending way. I'm just like, told, hey. in my head, I don't know anything about cycling. So I'm like, how the hell did you pull off 300 episodes about cycling? There's a, they race in Europe and we talked about that. Okay. okay. <laughs> hey, there's, there's a podcast, but everything, the point, by the way, ridicule me all you want. I don't give a shit. It's, it's perfect. Oh fun. no. I mean, obviously you're, you're killing it. Like, you oh, yeah. 300 episodes. I'm I'm like, a, Jesus. Uh, no, so I've been doing that for a long time, but point is, um, I don't know what my point was. <laughs> no, no uh, the, you know, there's sometimes you're talking to these people and you're trying to interview them and it's like pulling teeth and I don't really do much, um, like, especially for that, I don't have to do much uh, work, you know, behind the scenes to, to try to get information. Um, but have you been on some where it's been a little bit painful or you're driving the conversation when you're a guest or even people um, on with you? I, I, I can, there's only one that comes to mind that I can think of that I did an appearance and only one that comes to mind of when I had someone on. I mean, I'm not going to say specific, but like, actually I can two now I think about it, of like when I had someone on. But I mean, I, I mean, I, I was about to say now everyone's going to start wondering. I don't have that big of an audience. So, I mean, I don't know. Maybe a couple people start wondering. But uh, I don't know. Yeah, there is some that is like kind of like you're like trying to like squeeze – stones to get water out or something and just do you do prep for when you're uh, having someone on your show yeah i mean that's another thing too that like maybe that's why i haven't run into it too often i mean maybe that's why with something like cycling since it's like <laughs> you probably have a smaller group of people to pull for guests and stuff like that i mean i don't know i'm come talking on, on my ass it's, a, it's <laughs> an olympic sport tour de france come on there's it's, people make people make hundreds of dollars doing this thing. it could be a way more happening uh audience or uh group than the liberty movement for all i know uh, yeah it, it's just as autistic let me tell you though it's just crazy but anyways yeah like I, I don't know like i i generally kind of scope out who i want and then i try to like we'll kind of think of like topics i want ahead of time before I even contact them so usually that kind of helps, but then there, ha but like, I guess with the issue would be with like people who w want you to guest on theirs. Uh, yeah. So probably, I, there's only one that comes to mind and yeah, like that is, I mean, I'm obviously I'm not going to go specific, no. so I'm trashing, uh, but it's like, do they give you don't you have as much. Do they go give ahead? you topics to, uh, do most of the time when you come on a show, are they giving you a topic they're going to talk about? Or is it just, you know, like, like you just said, Hey, come on and we're just going to chit chat. So. Uh, I mean, usually, I mean, it's like either chit chat or like, I mean, the only thing as of late that people have been wanting to, because I mean, once I kind of like outed myself as being still in the military. And so I have had people who'd be like, oh, let's talk about that. Right. I mean, that's cool. Whatever. I understand. But uh, yeah, I'm kind of the active duty military guy. So I'm the, uh, <laughs> I've had a few people hit me up for that, but I don't know. Yeah. Usually it's just talk. I mean, they may mention a subject or two, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, but yeah, I get what you're getting at. There are some where you're like. It's different when you're going to someone else's show because you don't have as much control because yeah. you're like, you weren't the one who got to scope it out and you feel kind of worse to be like, no, you know? So you're like, whatever, we'll just do it. Like, we'll have a conversation. And there are sometimes you're like, all right, this is a, this is a little rough. <laughs> so you, uh, you you told me uh, with booking it here, you're you're doing them in the evening. Is So are you doing um, one or two shows a week? Are you just uh, guesting on a lot of them? Kind of what's your, how, how packed up and, and ahead of time are you um, getting these out? I usually only do two. I do like one to three a week. I try to do two a week. 
There was I try to stay ahead of ahead too. So if I do like one, if I only do one episode in one week, I will like try to make it up later because the thing is I'm just the the greatest thing like anyone trying to get into podcasting, try to stay a week ahead. That way because I don't like the feeling of scrambling and I also don't like just releasing as soon as I do it. I know some people do, some people don't. It's all different theories. I know I just I I like to have a I feel like personally, I mean, I don't know. I only have like a couple hundred subs, so I could be completely wrong. But personally, I feel like people probably like consistency. It's like you release a semi regularly or on the same days or whatever and or not too close together, what have you. But um, yeah, try to, if you're if you like get ahead of yourself, because I want I know I had one week where I like had some extra time. So I did like four or five interviews in a week. And that way I was like, I have extra content for the following yeah. week. And then, and I know when I first started, it was like I would just release as soon as I did one because I just like you get all excited and be like, oh, I had a really cool conversation. But it's like, and that is a hard one. Like that Clint interview that I had, like I sat on that for a week, and that one was hard because like I really enjoyed that conversation. Yeah, I was like, shit, I don't. I just want to release it now. But it's like, no, control yourself. Like <laughs> release it a week from now. <laughs> early, early release is never good, I guess. Right? Yeah, no, never Do good. You, but huh? I was just gonna say. So, are, are you editing all your your own? Um, you just do you do any editing? Nope, no editing whatsoever. Just pull it I, off of I, YouTube I, and put it on. I joke that I uh, I'm doing it so it's just like raw and real, like Rogan. But it's mostly just because I'm lazy and I don't know how to edit. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well you got the golden microphone there, so you've got some equipment, right? I mean, oh yeah, yeah. How much I mean, effort like did it take you to get phone. going into this to to acquire everything? And and were you worried about you know starting out with this? Was I worried about starting out? No, I mean initially I was at first. Because it is like it's weird. I mean, I'm a, I'm a tech idiot, so it was a little bit daunting starting out. But then I come to find out, like, because I think my first episode, I want to say, uh, I don't I don't even think I had the mic yet. I think I just had the the computer audio or the computer mic and the computer camera, and I was like, that's trash. And then someone's like, you got to at least up your audio quality. So I got like a thirty dollar mic on Amazon. Shit's not expensive. That's actually pretty yeah. normal. Like thirty to fifty bucks is usually roughly what they run for people curious. And then at, later, I then got the webcam to where it, like up the the video quality a little bit. And yeah, I think that was like thirty bucks too. So it's like a sixty buck investment. But it was like initially starting out. It was like I didn't know. It was like the unknown. I was just like, it was also like I don't know how much it matters. Like I don't know. Yeah, it, it wasn't too bad starting out though. I mean. It's like you kind of figure out things as you go. I'm no professional. I still don't know. I had one episode, I think, once that like I had a few issues. I've been pretty lucky and not had too many issues in episodes, and so I usually could just like release it. I've had a couple where like the internet will come out, but then I'll pop right back in to where it somehow doesn't cause an issue. But I had one, and even then, I just like I think I had a decent following at the time. I was like, hey, anyone help me out? Oh <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, people are willing to help, so that's yeah. a good idea. Yeah, like my first intro I had for a while, which I don't use anymore, was just like another podcast who just made it for me. I was like, I mean, at some point I need to get around to like being a little more official, make it like an intro. Like yours is pretty legit. <laughs> oh yeah, I, I stole it, a free song and then put Malice. Mock, you know, I'm gonna do a new one. Malice was with uh, Yarn Brook and Lex, and uh, Yarn Brook says something about uh, you guys all married, and Lex says we all want to have sex with our mom. And, <laughs> And the, right, and the reaction to both of them were like, "Oh my god!" So I think I'm gonna throw that into the new uh, open because, hey, why not? Yeah, I know. I know that was a good episode. Uh, I mean, that was a very long episode, but it, it was very interesting. I mean, Yaron can be a little bit cringe sometimes, but you know, 
Right. Malice, <laughs> Malice worked him over pretty good. Um, yeah. Okay. I, I heard your episode with uh, Pete Quinones talking about uh, The Mandalorian. Do you think the season three is going to be as good as the first two? Uh, season three, I think so. I don't see any reason why not. I mean, I haven't been, I'm not like a super huge nerd to where I've been following it like crazy, but like from the little bits I've paid attention to, it seems like, all right, because here's the thing within the Star Wars universe. There's the divide between like Kath, Kath, Kathleen, Ka- Kathleen Kennedy, I think is her name, is like the big evil over there that a lot of people don't like. She's the one who's responsible for the prequels. Um, she's uh, responsible for some other shit. Like there's some other like, kind of cringe news like very SJWE type stuff like that's just I don't know just not very good and a lot of people hate her and but it seems like she's kind of being relegated off to the edge slash sort of being pushed out and the John Favreau and Mark Hamill not Mark Hamill um, fuck, uh, George Lucas have been kind of the other element that have been kind of gaining power and so you know John Favreau is the absolute shit like everything he touches is gold uh, I mean like he was the reason why the Mandalorian was awesome, um, and yeah, it seems like they're kind of taking over. And a lot of people are upset that Cara Dune, you know, the uh, Gina Carano got booted. But like, don't get me wrong, I think it's really, really lame that they did that. But I, I mean, everyone who's freaking out that's like gonna ruin it, it's like she was like a background character that really didn't play that important of a part. Like, and I get it; it doesn't look good them removing a character, but like really how much of a, of a storyline did anyone really think she was going to have in the next season so I, I don't know I mean I think it's part of the reason why they didn't care to care to they didn't mind shit canning her it was just like whatever she has no real no real anything to do here so cool we get to like show off how you know progressive we are and boot a character we probably weren't going to use much anyways right so who is the Clone know. Wars uh, guy that has been so involved um, oh, uh, Filoni. Uh, yes. His first name. Yes. yes. He, yes. Yeah, he's good stuff too. Yeah. Um, yeah I know he's great. been really involved in that. My, my son's real big into the Clone Wars. He's telling me how the Mandalorian has <laughs> fallen along with the Clone Wars stuff. And I'm like, I. I, I yeah, I'm very, I'm, I'm very, I'm very, I'm very, uh, I'm very optimistic for the future there. I think that some of the stuff I've heard coming, it seems like they're kind of like, they found a happy medium of like, you know, pulling in the new like my my age you are you're you, ha- you said you're what like late mid late 40s i'm assuming that'd be nice i'm turning 50 next week actually okay so you are you come from i'm late 20s so like i'm more of like the prequel you know right. uh age you're more of like a little bit more closer to the originals but like i feel like they're doing a good job of kind of melding those two those two groups with what they're doing right now yeah. so they're kind of finding a happy medium and paying homage to both you know pulling the good from both because I mean, don't get me wrong. The prequels weren't that great, but they did also have their ups. So like, sure, yeah. I, I mean, I mean, but then again, I don't know. I mean, a lot of people were complaining when the prequels came out. Maybe it's just the effect of you know, once these like sequel trilogy came out, it's the same idea of now everyone's you know how a lot of people were like loving on Bush, where it's like, well, no, he was awful. Uh, it was just uh, you guys are just love him because you hated Trump, Trump so much. <laughs> I, the, the Mandalorian though grabbed me uh, in a few ways. I don't know. Maybe this is referencing my age here, but. Um, I felt like it was uh, the TV show Kung Fu meets the A-Team where he's kind of the mm-hmm. Western guy out there and going and saving people. Because uh, we saw one of the Mandal, I think it was season one and before we went into the theater and saw the last Star Wars and I was just like not interested because it was mm-hmm. the Mandalorian had been so good. Maybe it was just the short sequences of everything. I, I'm hoping that they continue. It's been it's been entertaining for me. So Yeah, there's, there's, they did a really good job. It was basically a Western with like 
lots of like then they also had like the Jedi when they came in it was basically like like the one episode uh, with uh, God I can't think of her name right now but the uh, the Jedi or the Jedi chick right it was basically an old school samurai movie it was yeah. like a samurai meets western episode yeah. like it was and it was just I don't know they 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 it's just they're doing a great job I really can't sing their praises enough like they just it kicked ass like and also like even from a liberty perspective there was so much there like. Yeah. Like the episode with uh fucking Bill Burr with like right. that was like that the was really most good. on that was the most on the nose anti war thing I've probably ever seen, other than maybe like a Scott Horton audiobook. You know, like <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> like it was it couldn't be any clearer what they were getting at. <laughs> like they could right. have swapped out the words and it was well, you know, exactly that. Just so you know, I mean Scott does have a YouTube of of his last book, you know, it's broken up into segments. So you can watch that. That's maybe even more. Yeah, uh, I have seen those. Okay. Uh, anything out there you're seeing uh, like TV or, you know, in the movies or anything that you see coming down the road that's kind of similar as far as like freedom that you, I don't know, even know if you look at things in a liberty perspective. I've just stopped really trying to, you know, negotiate the world of movies in, in my pol- politics because it's just impossible. But I don't know if you Yeah, see. no, I'm the same way. I just enjoy shit. Like, yeah. I mean... But it is like kind of nice when you do see stuff, you know, that like, kind of like, and I, I'm a big. You can see behind me, I'm a big kind of like a comic book nerd. Yeah. Um, like I've been watching all the Marvel things. Like uh, the I just watched the uh, Winter Soldier Falcon thing, and I'm not gonna lie, a lot of that was. It is like really hard sometimes to just like enjoy things, but it was very, it was super over the top. Like, you know, like praise the the military cringe in some yeah. aspects and so i mean some i just have to shut off that part of my brain and just enjoy <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, it I, I was, it's funny i was thinking about that because i was just finishing uh, or watching some last night and it's such a blue-pilled idea of you know they're they're hating the military and yet the military or the government is the only thing that can save them and it's just you're like come on it you know you're you're, you're a republican with the with the police it's kind of too much please mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean it was cool. It was kind of weird too, because it's like they don't—they can't make up their mind. I'm sure it all depends on directors and stuff like that. Right. But like the Scarlet Witch uh, show was like pretty, uh, in a lot of ways, was very liberty-ish. Like I haven't I mean, seen her that. Whole, oh, it was—I actually really enjoyed it. it. It was pretty damn good. But um, like for example, her whole story is that like she literally came from this war-torn country, and like her family died, and like her and her brother sat there watching a bomb that killed their family like expecting it was gonna blow up like that was like a big part of her like origin and like I don't I actually talked about Shane Hazel I didn't really I don't think I released it on my show but uh, I think we talked about it on his uh, but it just it was one of those like kind of like current eventy so it wasn't didn't really make sense to release on my channel so like but yeah no we, we talked about that and it was kind of interesting because we kind of had like the military thing it was very like it, it very especially that specific episode of that had a very powerful like anti-war message where it was like holy shit like and that is like that is the thing that happens like the, like that's I know it seems crazy and outlandish but it's like no like civilians die all the time they showed how her like family were like scraping by and but were still happy and like how they but then all of a sudden boom just a bomb comes out of nowhere and kills them because they're in a war torn area so uh, you know. well, I'll have to check that out um, so who do you have coming up? Anybody you want to tease us with that uh, by the time I get this show out? Uh, you know, I, I think I, I know I have Reed Coverdale next week. Uh, ooh, a big one. I, um, I got, I got a pretty good one. I have, um, it's not my show, but I'm going on Why Libertarian. I actually just went on his, uh, 
earlier no earlier this no last week god time warp you know from podcasting <laughs> it throws me off but um yeah I, i'm going on his show again monday and it's going to be like a round table thing with me sal the agorist um the clean libertarian uh and god who's the other one and tommy salmon Okay. Um, and he, uh, yeah, the, the it's gonna be like Tommy Salmon and Clean with like one side, and me and Sal with another. And it's the the kind of roundtable discussion is going to be, you know, whether we should utilize politics to further liberty. And so, yeah, I'm, that that should be fun, especially because, uh, I mean, I think Clean and and Tommy kind of come from a similar perspective of kind of like the whole. I mean, they're not like anti-agorism or whatever. Like almost no one is really. Right. They're just very much like, oh, why not both? And then, but me and Sal s- sort of come from the same spot. But I think Sal is more of one of the anarchists who thinks it's immoral to utilize a, a political uh, political system. Whereas I don't think it's immoral. I just have a tactical disagreement. So yeah, that, so that should be interesting. I'm looking forward to that. Um, I did just do a episode with Tommy Salmon, so that'll drop next week. Uh, I mean, the read episode won't drop until the following week. And yeah, I'm sure there's probably someone I'm forgetting and I'm going to feel bad. And there's no indication of whether they're, they're good or not. It's just a matter of that I have terrible memory and I just <laughs> throw it in my calendar and forget and just check yeah. on the day of and go, oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> have you, have you, you said you have talked to Reed or you're going to? Oh, I, no, I, I have, I already have Reed uh, scheduled in. Oh, okay. oh, I just realized now that I mentioned it, I don't have it saved in my phone. So I'm glad you mentioned it. That's, that's what we're here I for. I actually had the other one I know I'm forgetting, Patrick McFarlane. I have Patrick okay. McFarlane from Liberty Weekly coming on yeah. next week. Um, we're doing a uh, – this will be the second part of a three-part uh, thing we're doing with uh, – we're doing a, a – I wrote an article way back when on the Monopoly on Violence, the documentary, and I wrote an article on it, and I broke it up into three three pieces, and we're kind of like reading it slash discussing like the different parts of the article as we go. We already did one episode that came out good. Uh, the second part of the article kind of goes more into like the legal stuff, and that's why uh, Patrick is going to be the one narrating this one. Uh, not host, not narrating, hosting. He's going to be the one kind of leading the discussion in this one. Uh, and then we'll do the third one, and I hopefully I haven't really quite said it, but I'd like to try to get a special guest with me and Patrick for the third part, but that'll be a ways off. So I mean, we're not in any rush to finish this this three-part thing they're kind of like the way it's supposed to be is they perfectly stand on their own but they also go well together so there's no rush either way uh but yeah i've rambled enough i, I don't know i've got a bunch now i gotta go freaking figure out what i'm having read again and throw them back in my schedule because i didn't put them in there like i was supposed to well uh, <laughs> uh, we'll i'll let you go here i know you need to get your ac going back here <laughs> i think i oh no i gotta go on right oh, now oh well then then yeah. no, that's not a problem <laughs> we're good um anything you want to tell anybody about how to reach your show uh, where to find you where you're at uh, how to how to watch you as a tower gang member all that oh yeah um i mean if you want to see me do tower gang shenanigans <laughs> I like to feel I have a pretty good Twitter game. I mean, I'm not like super duper active, but I, I have some I have some good tweets here and there. I got a pretty good argument yesterday with people who were, you know, saying telling people how the boog is dumb, and so that was a fun argument. Um, but uh, yeah, I uh, I'm Jose Galison on there. I think it's at Galison Jose, but you can type in Jose Galison and it'll pop up. Um, so you can also like I'm on YouTube under No Way Jose that. Uh, you also can find me pretty much anywhere podcasts are at um, in audio format is No Way Jose. Uh, you know, it, if you're out there, go subscribe because uh, I'm I'm gonna want to get I want to get an Odyssey, but I'm too lazy to manually update. And if I hit 300 subs, it'll sync. So 
once I hit 300, I'll get on Odyssey because I don't feel like manually updating every time. And I have too many episodes to go backlog at this point. So, yeah, go go do that. Um, what else? Yeah, that's it. Uh, if you want to email me for any reason, thelibertymovementglobal uh, at gmail.com. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Uh, it's been fun. No, I, I appreciate it. And, and I encourage everyone to go check you out. There's you know, even just, well, sub, of course, but scroll through there. There's a bunch of just different interviews. And like I said, it's eclectic. And it's, it's fun. It's fun going through your catalog. I appreciate you coming on here. Um, I hope good things are happening to you. I hope nothing gets, uh, you know, like deployments or anything else. But um, <laughs> 300 subs would be nice, right? For example, though, just to, to, to show the eclectic Nick, I've done I've done multiple episodes on comics. I've done episodes on anime. I've done I, I, it's all over the place. Like uh, I had a sex worker on to talk about anime. So. Oh, <laughs> well, you did Thad Russell, I guess, is what you are there. So no, it's Molly Smash. She's a she's a porn star. That's a I think she's also like running for in New York for something. But oh, I, gotcha. I had her on for multiple episodes. So. Gotcha. All right. Well, I appreciate you coming on. You have a good evening. And um, everybody, thanks for tuning in to the Libertarian Podcast Review. We will uh, review your shows and uh, have more guests on. Thank you.